You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church God's House of Prayer located in Fairborn, Ohio. Genesis chapter 5. Stand with me when you get there. just want to read that one verse there in chapter 5, verse 24. It says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the chance you've given us to assemble here, Lord. I pray uh, that you anoint me to preach a message you've given, anoint ears to hear, hearts to understand, draw us each closer to one another as you draw us closer to yourself, and we'll never fail to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. What a testimony uh, Enoch has left for you and I as we look back in time today. And as we uh, find ourselves here together this Sunday morning, I ask you, how well did you spend your yesterday? If Christ called you home today, would you be satisfied with your yesterday? Now, for myself, I woke up what I consider early for me, and I spent the day surrounded by people I love the most, and we worked and talked and laughed, and I had a wonderful time. And afterwards, I put uh, my bulldog in her stroller and took her for a walk, and that part's a little eccentric, I know. We got some looks from the neighbors. But all in all, uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful day. And I thought about it as last night I was finalizing and went over uh, the final look at uh, this morning's sermon. I thought about If the Lord called me home, would I be satisfied with how I spent my day? Would uh, my testimony be sufficient? Would uh, I be able to go into eternity um, having spent my final day on earth in that way? And I I reckon that it was so that I, I would be glad with that. Now, it's not the same question. As if you had one day to live, how would you spend it? That's a, that's a completely different thought. This idea is how we live our lives and recognizing uh, relationship with Christ and relationship with the church and relationship with our brothers and sisters, our families, and other human beings that we interact in. And how focused is that on the things of the Lord? Recently, I started, uh, well, I won't get into that just yet. I want to talk to you about your testimony this morning. We often, uh, we never fail, I guess is the best way to put it, to uh, give everyone an opportunity to testify as to what the Lord has done for them. But are we really focused on the gospel message and the realization of what Christ has done for us? That you and I as a people stand in in this part of the world, proclaiming that there's only one God who's holy and that we're made in his image to know him. 
that we sinned and cut ourselves off from God. That in His great love, He sent His Son Christ to come as King and to rescue His people. Do we think about that? Does that uh, work its way into our daily routine? Do we acknowledge that Christ established His kingdom by acting as both a mediating priest and a priestly sacrifice? That He lived a perfect life, that He died on a cross fulfilling the law himself and taking the punishment for the sins of us all, that God accepted his sacrifice, and that God's wrath against you and I has been exhausted. And through his word, he now calls us to repent of our sins and trust in Christ alone for our forgiveness, and that if we repent from our sins and turn to Christ, trust in him, that we are born again into a new life, an eternal life with God, and that is the good news of the gospel. Recently, I was in a bit of a heated discussion. Somebody said, let's talk about your past, and I thought, well, if you want to, go ahead, but I've got good news to add to that, right? Yeah, 10, 15 years ago, you wouldn't want me in your church or your yard or anywhere near you, but I knelt down beside of a bed, and I met the King of Kings, and all things became new. I'm not that same person anymore. I was lost and undone, and a very loving God came and rescued me. It's certainly not part of a do-good religion. I did not fix myself. So what does it mean this morning when we look in the scriptures and the Bible says that Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him? How did Enoch spend the day before that happened? Does this mean that Enoch always told the truth, that he didn't dance, he didn't drink, he didn't chew tobacco? Enoch shared his toys, he came to church every Sunday. To find this answer, how Enoch pleased God, you have to turn over, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Starts out, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. You skip down to verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So how do we please God? 
How did Enoch please God? It's certainly not done through works. It's not found in a religion uh, that calls you to do good for the sake of doing good, to uh, heap attention to your actions or what it is you're doing. It's, it's a, a relationship with Christ, a Savior, that we're lost and we're undone. And God came to earth and died for our sins so that you and I might be born again. And then that changes things. It changes everything. We become spiritually minded with a broad view. A look into eternity. It starts to change the things we do day in and day out. Oftentimes I, I judge whatever it is I'm going through through the scope of eternity. When I stand before God, will this matter? If it does, I address it. If it does not, I move on. If it does matter, I certainly address it. Our focus should be on eternal things, not temporary things. A carnal-minded view is very much in the right now. What's going on right now? If you turn on the television or any device for any moment, you'll find out what's going on right now is not very good. If you look through the lens of eternity, you can find a reason to rejoice. You can find a reason to be happy if you know the Lord. The book of Romans says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. When we go through the death of a loved one, through illnesses, through trials, our being spiritually minded helps us keep our perspective broader and deeper. Our focus is on God and things eternal. And you start to see even the smallest of blessings rooted and grounded in God's love for you. Large trials, death and illnesses, and trials and tribulations of life uh, lose their sting. Now, our actions obviously matter. I mentioned that when we're born again, our life starts to change, our priorities change, our focus change, and also our behavior then changes. And it's very important to understand how that works. Recently, I started reading a wonderful, wonderful, the last two books I've read were not that good. They were biographies, one on Churchill, one on Bill Monroe, and they were a little dry, stuff with historical detail that didn't matter to me. But I plowed through them and I finished them, and I was not pleased at the end. But recently I started a, uh, the autobiography of George Mueller. If you've not read that, I urge you to. Uh, I'm just getting into the real meat. I'm about a quarter of the way through, and it's just starting to get good. It's written uh, by George Mueller's own hand, and I had only... I read things about George Mueller written by other people in short snippets. And if you remember back, George Mueller is the evangelist and pastor in Bristol, England, uh, that took care of tens of thousands of orphans uh, just about 200 years ago. And he did it all through the power of prayer. And I 
started that, and I, you start to read into George Mueller's life, and if you're not careful, if you don't understand salvation, you'll miss it. And you'll think it's a formula for if you do this, God will then do that. Those formulas do not exist. What you would read on those pages is a testimony of George Mueller's life, that he was focused on God's eternal things, and therefore his behavior patterned his focus. He certainly uh, did a great work for the Lord there in Bristol, England, about 1830, 1840s, and so on. But if you get to know George Mueller through his writings, you'll understand that Mueller would have been satisfied doing any work the Lord had wanted him to do. That if he'd have been sweeping a broom at a small mission somewhere in the corner of the earth, that if that's what the Lord wanted, then George Mueller would have been happy to spend his life doing such as that. And that is really... um, the pinnacle of understanding the gospel, that our obeying is born out of our relationship with Christ. And our obeying is only possible because of the salvation that's offered to us through Calvary. That obeying the Lord can only happen when we're made new in Christ. If we echo sentiments of a do-good religion where we tell the lost and undone to fix themselves to the junkies and the addicts we say try Jesus and beat your addiction or we uh, say to the person try Jesus and fix your marriage or fix whatever needs fixing with Christ I would argue that this is a veiled exercise in self-righteousness it's as close as you can be to real salvation and still be lost Our conversations about God with junkies and addicts typically go something like this. We tell them to fix it, to stop the behavior, but the fix-it-yourself parts of the Bible are very difficult to find. Those scriptures are very difficult to quote where the Bible tells us to fix it ourselves. The Bible has a very different stance that we must be born Again, that we must be made new. In 1 John, it says, We know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. In Psalms chapter 147, it said, The Lord taketh pleasure and them that fear him, and those that hope in his mercy. Hebrews chapter 13 says, Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to him to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. As you read through page after page, scripture after scripture, we find that the focus of our faith The focus of our joy and love and work and adoration goes to the King of Kings, the God that came and redeemed you and I so that our past holds no weight, so that our future is full of joy and rejoicing, that our focus is on eternal things. 
that our efforts should be on the gospel message and the gospel work. I will say that as I turn the pages in this biography, it's a very dangerous biography for me to read. Uh, page after page, I thought I liked George Mueller even more. Right? We, sh we should be more like George Mueller when he, uh, he as I'm getting into of course I knew the big things that he had done but the small things he started out with uh, distributing the word of God uh, caring for the hungry uh, they they just started these things and when I say they just started them there was no uh, financial raising campaigns there was no membership sold all the typical worldly steps that you would take George Mueller didn't do any of that he simply prayed when he started the home for orphans, he had no building, no people to work, and no money. He sat down, he prayed for a place, he prayed for people, and he prayed for $150,000 in today's money. Now, I don't know about you and I having the audacity to do that, but he believed that we could take the Scripture as it's written, and I believe we can too. I believe that God meant what he said when we, he said that he would take care of those that love the Lord, right? That we would not be begging bread, that he would be our provider, that all things through him are possible. And it was this that shaped and shaped his focus on eternal things so that the things of today did not seem quite as insurmountable. It is a lesson for us as we gather here together. Stand with me. <clears throat> 